of these realities, it can never be by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year, make perfect those who approach. Otherwise, would they not have ceased being offered since the worshipers, cleansed once and for all, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a remainder of sin year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And every priest stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Pastor Carl. Thank you, Sarah, for leading us this morning. We've been thinking about God's faithfulness over the last couple of months. This is the theme that is carrying us through in this season. Last year, our focus was on where our hope lies when things are dark, when things are difficult, when we are struggling. And as we have come into this year, we have focused and shifted our attention to how God has been faithful and how God will continue to be faithful to his people, to his word and his work among us. Our God is a faithful God. And because of that, we can walk in faith through whatever we experience in our daily lives. Some of you, some of us, have experienced in our lives a job that we really weren't sure was worth it at the end of the day. Anybody here find themselves in that situation right now? Come and see me and I don't have a job for you. Well, I do have a job for you. <laughs> but there are some skills required. And I, let me say that working here at the church is always fun and fantastic. Yeah, see? I, affirmation for that. But have you ever had a job that just wasn't worth it? How long did you stay in that job? Some of you were so glad when the summer was over and you needed to return to your, your studies and so you could walk away and never have to think about that boss again. Some of you just hung in there because there was nowhere else to go. And day after day, you went back to work because you needed the job. You needed the income. An interesting thing has happened here in our context of the last couple of years. 
as the pandemic hit and shutdowns and lockdowns became part of our conversation and our vocabulary, there were many who were in the service industries who suddenly found themselves out of work, laid off, businesses closed, were dramatically altered in the way that they could do their jobs. As things have opened up again, as the economy has begun to to move again, uh, there has been a problem in this sector, especially of our economy. Businesses, particularly restaurants and other service industries, industries, are having trouble finding people who want to work for them. Even though our employment rates in the U.S. and in Canada have more or less returned to where they were pre-pandemic in these certain sectors of our economy, they just can't find enough staff. Why is that? Well, as they speak to people and ask them, you know, uh, what's going on? Why haven't you gone back to your job? You had a job and now you don't want to go back. They've gotten some answers. Initially, there was some thought that perhaps it was the benefits of being away from work that where the government was covering some of those costs and unemployment, that perhaps those benefits were just too generous and people didn't want to go back. But those benefits have ended in many cases, and people still haven't returned to that work. Why? Well, here's the thing. When people don't like their jobs, their working conditions aren't great, and they aren't getting paid very much day after day, if you give them a little bit of time and space to think about it, they'll realize that they could probably do better, or at least probably not do worse by finding something else to do. When you're stuck in the rat race, going around day after day after day, you don't even have time to think about these things, but you get some space away. You take a deep breath, and when it's time to go back, you have this inner aha moment. I don't think I am going back. There's a better way to live my life. We've been studying the book of Hebrews over the last few weeks. And the theme that I highlighted in the book of Hebrews is that we can think about Hebrews as being the better book. The book about how Jesus is better. How the covenant through Jesus is better. How Jesus is better than the prophets. How Jesus is a better high priest and brings a better covenant. And this morning... Our focus is on Hebrews chapter 10, where we read about and hear about how Jesus is a better sacrifice. You see, as we read already in this text this morning, the sacrifice of Jesus, his death on the cross, the blood that was shed by the Lamb of God, does what the blood sacrifices of all the bulls and rams and lambs 
on the altars of the temple could not do. Jesus, the sacrifice, brings righteousness to the people. The sacrifices of the animals brought to the temple or to the tabernacle, they would cover the sin. But the sacrifice of Jesus annihilates sin itself. It is gone. And we who are the children of God are stamped with his righteousness, made clean through the blood of the Lamb of God. Never again to be subject to the power of sin and death. Jesus is that sacrifice. This week, as you know, uh, is Remembrance Day, November 11th on Thursday. At this time of year, we hear a lot about sacrifice in the context of those who have served in the wars that our nation has been a part of. We hear stories of heroism and bravery and self-sacrifice. For those who think a little bit beyond the trappings of the Remembrance Day ceremonies and the celebration of those who have served, whether they were conscripted or not, we remember beyond that pageantry and the fact that we won, we remember the death of millions. We remember the destruction of nations and cities and lives. We remember the suffering and the utter stupidity of war. Not just one war, but war after war after war. And then when a war is ended, either through truce, stalemate, or perhaps military victory, there is joy, relief. People celebrate, but only for a time. Because the war isn't over. War is never done. New conflicts in new places pop up time after time. Why? Because even though the atrocities of the past war seemed at the moment to be enough that we would say never again, we forget. But not only do we forget, we are still the same broken humanity, fighting for what's ours or what we think ought to be ours and for power and control at whatever cost to others. This is the way that the world works. As we remember this year, may we remember 
that war never ends the conflict of humanity. Imagine. Imagine with me that there was a way that we could win a war that would end all wars for all time, for all people and all nations around the world. Imagine with me that that could be done. What joy, what peace, prosperity we would experience as humanity in this world. But we know that it is not possible by the hand of humanity to do such a thing. Because the brokenness that leads to war lies within each of our hearts. And we enact it on a small scale, day after day, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, wherever we go. But imagine that all of this conflict and death and destruction could be ended for all time. Is that something that you would be willing to invest in? Is that something that you would be willing to give your all for? This is what the apocalyptic vision of the book of Revelation points towards. A war that ends all wars in which the savior of all of humanity, Jesus, returns and in triumph brings peace to the whole earth, the impossible made reality. There is a war that has been raging in all of human history. It is the war against the power of sin and death in our lives. Sin and death that since the first people of this world, as we read in Genesis, this power has enslaved humanity. And damaged and made impossible what God had intended for all of us. Humanity was created in perfection in peace with one another and with God, what is called shalom, where all things are as they are meant to be. This is how we were created. This is how we are meant to live. Adam and Eve sinned and all who follow have sinned as well. But God was faithful to the creation that he had made. He did not abandon them as the stories of the gods of other times and places have done. The gods who wiped out all of humanity, the gods who ended one creation to begin a different creation. Yahweh was faithful to humanity. And he brought about a covenant through Abraham. 
And then he brought laws and a way to live and the sacrifices through the Mosaic Covenant, the prophet Moses who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, which we see as understanding for ourselves the, that is mirrored in Jesus, the exodus from our slavery to sin. God was faithful by bringing tools to humanity so that they could fight that war against sin and death. And they tried. And they tried. And they failed. And they failed. No matter how many times they brought offerings for sin and tried to start again, they failed again. says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 11 that every priest stands day after day at his service offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. So God is faithful and he brings a new covenant as we heard last week. A new way to come to God, a perfect sacrifice, who is Jesus, our Savior. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 12, But when Christ, that is Jesus, had offered for all time a single sacrifice for all sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. When do you sit down? In your day-to-day -day life, in your work, when do you sit down? You sit down when the work is done. Jesus sacrifices himself and the work is done. The power of sin is broken. The power of death is broken. And humanity is no longer bound by these powers and is now given a, a stamp of the Spirit on their lives that they are righteous, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. God is faithful to the humanity he created the ones that he called, the ones that he has covenanted with, God, through Jesus, takes on to himself the responsibility to fulfill our part of the covenant because we couldn't do it on our own. So God does it for us through Jesus. There are many reasons in the scriptures that we can point to why Jesus' sacrifice was able to do this in a way that the, all the other sacrifices could not. At the heart of it lie two things. One is that Jesus was innocent of all sin. Though he himself was fully human, he never had bowed to the power of sin and death. 
And as such, his sacrifice was perfect and holy and righteous. A second reason why Jesus' sacrifice was effective in this way is what we find in the book of Philippians where it shares with us how Jesus went about offering his life. He laid down his life voluntarily without holding back any part of himself. And it was only for our sake and not his own. It was true self-sacrifice. This is something that we point to again and again as we long to live out that righteousness that we have been called to, to live in such ways, not only to live in the perfection of the righteousness that has been given to us through the sacrifice of Jesus, but then to emulate, to replicate, to demonstrate that self-sacrificial way of living where I and you and we together lay down our lives without holding back some part for ourselves, but in true self-sacrifice, laying down our wants, our needs, our desires for the sake of others so they might know the faithfulness of God, the mercy and the love of God. You may wonder, how do we do this? In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. Our God has been faithful. And so our response is to hold tight to what we have been given. Sometimes we say, this is the so what. Or if to use Bible language, therefore. One of those fun things that we say in biblical interpretation is whenever you come across a therefore in Scripture, you say, what is that there for? It's there for this reason, so that we might have confidence in our salvation, in our righteousness imparted to us through Jesus Christ. God's faithfulness is bigger than my mess. God's solutions are bigger than my darkness and my shame. So that we can hold fast to our faith. God's faithfulness is something that is worth giving our lives to. Surrendering our will and our way, our control for the life of God that fills us with hope, with power, and purpose. And so that we can encourage one another as we walk together in this faith that we have been called to. 
Let us encourage one another. God's faithfulness has been given to us so that we have somewhere to belong, a people to belong to. I know that often the verse Hebrews 10.25 is used to talk about why we need to be here on a Sunday morning. That's one way to read it, but I think that's the simplest and probably least faithful way to read that verse. Showing up for one another is not about Sunday morning. It says, let us provoke one another to love and good deeds. You can't do that when you're sitting in the pew listening to me talk. And there are people who show up to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday who actually haven't shown up in spirit and in fellowship. Let us encourage one another because God has called us into something bigger than ourselves. We belong to one another and together we serve. Together we encourage one another in this faith. Next week, we will turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 11 and we will hear the stories of faith of exactly this, the people throughout the story of God's people who responded to God's faithfulness by walking in faith. May we be inspired. May we be encouraged. May we walk with confidence. May we hold fast to our faith despite the challenges of day-to-day life. And let us encourage one another. Let us provoke one another. Do you know what provoke means? It's not like, hey, I think it'd be a good idea if you did something loving today. That's not provocation. Provocation is, hey, you. You need to go and love somebody because Jesus loves you. Do it. No, do it. Do it now. That's provocation. I challenge you today. Provoke somebody to love and good deeds because our God is faithful to us. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have provided a way a way that we can be called your children, a way that our sin can be taken from us and that sacrifices need not be made again because you have made a perfect sacrifice that redeems us, frees us from sin and death as we prostrate ourselves before you and say, here I am, Lord, I am yours. Take my life and use me for your will, your purposes, and your glory. Amen.